Well, welcome to Grace, everybody. Uh, there's some folks in the back looking for seats still. So if you have some near you, uh, scooch in or raise your hand so they can sit down. It's a great time to remind you about Saturday night services. Uh, there's lots of seats available and free parking. We don't charge for parking on Saturday night. And uh, also, don't forget about the extension. So the extension is uh, three miles down the road. And uh, there's people gathering there right now. Extension services always start a half hour after Gent Road services do on Sunday. So if you're in the minivan and you're fighting, because that's what you've been doing, uh, that you can go down the extension and still be on time. And there's kids ministries there and the whole thing. And again, it's free parking. And um, I'm on video there. I'm nine feet tall in high definition. You're welcome. All right. And so you can check all that out. But uh, thanks for being here this weekend. Thanks for everybody watching online. Thanks for being with us this weekend and, uh, and being a part of Grace. So we're in a new series right now that we are calling Assume I Know Nothing. And this series is uh, fantastic. I, I cannot tell you how, I cannot wait to get up and teach about this stuff on the weekend. So I'm having a blast. Whether you guys like it or not, I'm having fun. And I think that's what's important uh, when we talk about things here. Um, but in this series, um, if you are a person that said, uh, this, 2017 is my year, I'm making the big leap spiritually, I'm gonna move forward spiritually, I wanna finally get my head around the Bible and those kind of things, this series is perfect for you. Uh, if you grew up in church and you know what to do but have no idea why you do it, this series is perfect for you. If you are a human being, uh, this series is perfect for you. So it's a great, great time. And this is what we said uh, over the course of this semester, if you'll give, kind of give God a semester of your life, um, what we'll do through this series, Assume I Know Nothing, and then our next series, Five Assumptions About God and Why They're Wrong, and then the, the one that we'll have around Easter time, if you let that all play out, what we're trying to do is take all the cards and put them on the table for you. So all the information and thinking and logic that is kind of what it means to follow God and what Christian thought is, uh, we'll put those on the table for you. You play them however you want, but at least it'll be out there and you can uh, erase those questions in your mind and uh, kind of know what that information is. So if you do that, I promise you it will be a, a life-transforming uh, semester for you, and uh, you can get your head around those things, okay? So I encourage you to, to join in on that and, uh, and check that out. Assume I know nothing. This is the premise of the series that we're saying, if you walked in from the woods and you had no exposure to the Bible, no exposure to Christian thought, no exp uh, exposure to like a Christian, a Christianized culture that we live in or Christian subculture, if we were going to talk to you about God from scratch, assuming you know nothing, what would those conversations be? And so that's what we're talking about and what we're trying to walk you through kind of step by step, okay? So last weekend we started with the Bible and we said it, it's really hard to talk about Christ and hard to talk about God and Christian thought if we can't talk about the Bible. So we said there's, a, there's kind of a step one. I kind of have to engage the Bible as I engage Jesus kind of all the same time because it's in the Bible that I find Jesus as I get into the Bible, I will find Jesus. As I find Jesus, I will get into the Bible. So it's kind of this cyclical process that you need to go through. And so we started that conversation last week. We talked about what the Bible is, how the Bible works, where the Bible came from, how you start to engage the Bible, and there were, there were puppies involved. So if you want to uh, look at that, go out to our website, graceohio.org. You can watch that, listen to it. You can get it on the app off of your phone, or you can listen to a podcast or iTunes if you want and catch up with the speed on that. Now this weekend, I want to advance this conversation, and we're going to make an assumption. This is what I asked you to do last week. Whether, whether you've decided to, to trust the Bible or not, that's up to you. But I, I said, boy, if you, if for this series at least, if you made the assumption that the Bible is the word of God, that's what, the, that's what we would call it, it's the words of God, that the origin of the Bible is, is God, that the Bible comes from God, the word the Bible used is inspired or breathed out by God, that God spoke through human authors who recorded it, so it's the, the inspired, inerrant, authoritative word of God, it's a fancy way to say it, but the Bible is is God's word and comes from God. Uh, if you trust or decide to at least pretend to trust for the sake of our conversation, the validity and the origin of the Bible, 
then what happens is we can, we can start to get into the story of the Bible. So what is, what is God's Word saying? Uh, what, what's the, on a big meta-narrative, a big picture, what is the story of the Bible? And that's why I want to start walking us through this week, okay? So in a big picture, the story of the Bible is this. The story of the Bible is God's interaction and intention for humanity and humanity's response to God. That's the big theme of the Bible and, and the big purpose of the Bible. It shows us God's intention and interaction with humanity and humanity's interaction with God. The story is rooted in God's desire and intention for humanity and humanity's nature that leads us to reject and rebel against God and God's intention and God's authority, okay? So that's the big story and that's playing out over the pages of Scripture. Now, I want to walk you through this. So we're just going to start at the beginning, and I'm going to show you um, human origin. I'm going to show you the, the origin of the conflict between God and man and the origin of the conflict of, of evil. Why is there good versus evil in the world? And then we'll, uh, we'll kind of walk that through this week, okay? So if you got a Bible, grab it and open it up to page number one. We're just going to start at the beginning, all right? Page number one. If you don't have a physical copy of the Bible, if you want one, there's some in the chairs. Uh, and, or someone will hand you one wherever you're watching uh, this at, if you're at one of our live sites. And uh, you can grab that. If you don't have a physical copy and you want a physical copy, just keep that one. And just take it, write your name in it, call, call it your own. If you want to use your smartphone... Get your iPhone out, use the app, Grace Church app, the notes and all the verses, everything will be there. If you don't have a smartphone, if you want to use a dumb phone, go ahead and get your Android device out. Um, that will work occasionally if it's not catching on fire and destroying your life. So one, one of those two things is fine, and the Bible's in all those things, and you can look at that, okay? So Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 uh, let me walk you through this. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, that's a, that's a big statement, and that statement is actually very, very core to Christian thought and Christian teaching, okay? So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So this is, this is a big deal. And the core of Christian thought and the foundation of Christian thought is the belief that we are created creatures. It's a big deal, okay? We do not believe that we evolve from muck. We do not believe that we are a higher form of an animal. Uh, we don't believe in, in the, the big bang per se, right? Those kind of things. Now, listen, a thinking Christian does not discount that there is evolutionary process in the laws of nature. That's obvious. We're talking about the origin of man, so we would look and say, we, we believe in intelligent design or creation that a supernatural being created the heavens and the earth and in that process, humanity, and that's how humanity came to be. Now that is a big deal because if we are created, which we believe we are, that means that there is a creator. And at the core of Christian thought is that there is a creator and since there is a creator, this is big, ready? A creator has ownership over its creation. A creator has ownership over its creation. So I would believe as a Christian, I do not have ownership over my own life. I do not believe that I can just do whatever I want to do. I believe that there is an authority, a, a life authority, a moral authority, a spiritual authority that is over me, and that authority is my creator. Okay? And because my creator created me, it places me in a position in which I am subject to my creator. Later on in the Bible, a, a guy named Paul, he was speaking on God's behalf, and he used a metaphor. He said it this way. He said, we are the clay, and God is the potter. And the potter has the right to form the clay into whatever he wishes, because he's the creator of the clay. He's the shaper of the clay, okay? So our relationship with God kind of starts there. Like I, 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 there is a God, he created me, and I need to know that God and I am subject to that God, okay? Now, how did that God create me then? And this is an important piece too. So later on in Genesis chapter one, verse 26, the Bible talks about that. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, Right? Now, this is another important piece. So you read that verse, then God said, let us make mankind in our image. On a side note, 
That's the first time that you're introduced to the Trinity in the Bible. So let us, plural, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God. So let us make mankind in our image. So we are created by God in God's image. What does that mean? Being created in the image of God does not mean that we are God. It means that we reflect uh, the nature of God. And so we are different than the rest of creation because we're created in the image of God. And probably the, the biggest piece of being created in the image of God that, that it makes sense for us to talk about uh, this weekend is this. Being created in the image of God means in part that I am created with a soul. So human beings are the only part of creation that have a soul. We're the only part of creation that long for God. Human beings are the only part of creation that worship. We're the only part of creation that pray. We're the only part of creation that have to satisfy God questions, okay? Your dog doesn't have a soul. Uh, your dog doesn't worship. Your dog didn't get up to say, ah, we're gonna, we're gonna go to get pancakes and then go to church or go to church and then go to Rockies. We're gonna, right? Your dog didn't do that. Your dog doesn't pray. When the dog prays on, on the internet, it's begging that you will leave it alone so it can eat its food. It's not actually praying to an unseen God. Dogs don't worship. They don't listen to Hillsong United and respond to God, right? They just howl along with it, right? So human beings are unique in that way. Now, us having a soul means several things. We're created in the image of God. We, are, we have a soul. We're spiritual. It means several things. One thing it means is that we're eternal. So human beings don't die. Our, our bodies die, but our souls do not. And, and we'll talk about heaven and hell another time, but that's part of what that means. It also means this. It means that we love on spiritual levels. So if you're, if you're a parent, you love your children on a spiritual level, not a biological level. Uh, if you are married or you have a, a fiance, boyfriend, girlfriend, you wanna love somebody, you, your desire to love and be loved is a spiritual thing it's not just a biological thing. We're different than animals in those ways, okay? Uh, I love my dog, Twister. She lived another day. We're all happy for her. Twister's really, really old. Every day is an achievement in Twister's life, right? So, so we're excited. We love Twister. But Twister, she, does Twister love us? No. She responds to us instinctually. If Twister was taken out of our family and put in another family, she would interact with them the same way. Okay. If I gave up my child when, as a baby in adoption and placed them in another family, they would come looking for me. Why? Because we're created in the image of God. Okay. We're different than the rest of creation. So we are created, but we're created in the image of God. We're created to seek and respond and interact and pursue God. Now, the Bible goes on, verse 27 of Genesis. You can look at this. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the air and every living creature that moves along the ground. So we're created in the image of God. We are created, we're under authority, created in the image of God. We have a soul, we're spiritual. And we are placed uniquely in creation. So as a Christian, I do not believe that I am like the rest of creation. I am not simply a part of creation. I'm not an evolved animal. I don't believe that at all, okay? I am created by God in the image of God, and I'm placed over the rest of creation. We call it dominion. I have dominion over the earth, right? So I am to utilize the earth I am to utilize the earth for my needs, I'm to utilize the earth for my benefit, and I am to care for the earth. I'm not to abuse the earth, right? So I don't waste, I don't destroy, I don't pollute, but I do utilize the resources of the earth. So I rule over creation. I didn't evolve to the top of the food chain, I was created to be there. I am not like a giraffe. I'm not like an, elephant, uh, an elephant, I don't participate in creation like they do, I am given dominion over it. So the earth was given to humanity by God for our needs and for our enjoyment. 
to be cared for and stewarded, but not destroyed and, and, take, and abused, okay? And I rule over it, and I care for these things that God has given me. The scripture goes on, chapter 2, Genesis, verse 8. Now, the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden. Eden is the Hebrew word for paradise, so in paradise. And there he put the man he had formed, and the Lord God made all kinds of trees to grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So God creates a garden, paradise, heaven on earth. And in that garden, everything that man needed was there. All of the food we needed, uh, Adam and Eve were vegetarians, okay? So they ate from these trees of knowledge of good and evil, or, or, or ate from the trees of the garden, okay? And in the middle of the garden were, were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, I'm going to introduce a concept to you, and we're going to come back to it, okay? God creates mankind. We're under His authority. We're owned by God, Right? God makes us in a way that we're able to respond to God in the image of God. He gives us a soul. God gives us dominion over the earth. We rule the earth. We subdue it. And we utilize the resources of the earth for our benefit, okay? And in paradise, in the Garden of Eden, God also, in the DNA of his relationship with humanity, creates choice, he creates freedom and he creates choice. He puts two trees in the Garden of Eden, in the middle of it, in paradise, right? This is in our perfect relationship with God is choice, right? Now we're going to come back to that in a minute. So this is the, the state in which humanity was created to exist within. In Eden, in paradise is a perfect existence. In the Garden of Eden, Adam, and then later joined by Eve, they're in this place, and it is perfection. And in the middle of that perfection is the concept of choice, okay? And in that perfection, every need and desire that Adam and Eve had were met in the Garden of Eden. And I don't mean a lustful desire like, I want a Lamborghini. That's TV nonsense. I'm talking about the desires of their heart. All their food, all their physical needs were met. Nature was a, always a complement to humanity in the Garden of Eden. So rains never turned into flood, right? Winds never turned into tornadoes. Basically, if you can think of the opposite of Northeast Ohio, that's how they interacted with nature, right? They got, they got along. Animals didn't eat people in the Garden of Eden, okay? So everything was there for their benefit. Everything they needed was there. All security was there. Right? There was no insecurity. There was no danger. The, the lion wasn't going to come out of the woods and eat you kind of thing. It was all there. And on the deepest levels, they had a per, Adam and Eve have a perfect relationship with God. There is no sin. There is total trust of God. There is total interaction with God. There's unfettered access with God in the Garden of Eden. It's the perfect environment. It's heaven on earth. They also had perfect relationship with each other. Adam and Eve were the only people who for a time had a perfect marriage. Perfect relationship with each other. They interacted with each other freely. They loved each other emotionally, mentally, physically, right? There was no insecurity. They walked around naked all the time. And, and Eve was never like, boy, you've gained weight. <laughs> I remember you when we heard that. You know, Adam, they, were not, they weren't frustrated sexually. Adam was like, when's the last time we ever did anything? And that never happened, right? And Adam, they had total access to each other, pure, total relationship with each other, total freedom. It's heaven on earth with choice involved. The two trees were part of perfection, okay? And God created it. He gave it. He gave, he gave uh, Adam and Eve the ability to interact with him, the ability to interact with each other, and he blessed them and kept them in this perfect environment. And what we see in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 is the intended relationship between God and man, between man and man, and even man and nature. Paradise. It's what God created us for and how to interact with us, okay? In the garden, Adam and Eve had total freedom, this is a big deal. Freedom is created by God. We'll talk about this here more in a minute. But freedom is a creation by God. It's not a condition of man. It's a creation by God. So they had total freedom in the garden with choice. And you see this Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. 
And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will surely die. God puts mankind in the garden with choice. You can, you can do whatever you want. You can eat from anything in the garden. You have total freedom, but you have choice. If you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. Okay? Now, remember, freedom is representative or is, is akin to, to paradise. It's a part of perfection. Choice is a part of God's perfect relationship with humanity. Okay? These, don't, these things don't come later on. This is a part of Eden. And God creates man, puts him in the garden, and gives him this freedom and gives them this choice. Now, what happens next in this story, the origins of man and our relationship with, between us and God is what we call the fall, okay? So this is the fall of man from his perfect relationship with God is what that means. And the fall of man, the fall happens in Genesis chapter three, uh, verse one. Now the serpent, the devil, so the devil possessed an animal. By the way, that happened several times throughout the Bible. This is the first time that it happened. So the devil possesses an animal. The serpent was more crafty than, than uh, any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from, the, from any tree in the garden? Now let's pause here for a second. This is huge. Satan comes in to the garden, right? Because there's choice. And Eve, he's interacting with Eve at this point. And the first thing he says is this. He says, did God really say? I want you to see this. Even today, when we are struggling with temptation and we are, we're in the middle of this battle against good and evil, in the core of your humanity and your interaction with God is always gonna be that question. And this, by the way, this is something you can always lean into and, and understand. It's this fundamental question. Did God really say? Remember, how, how do we view and interact with the Bible? Did God really say? Did God really, aren't you, aren't, you, aren't you approaching the Bible simplistically? Did God really say? Did God really mean? And, and the, the, one of the core temptations that Satan will have is he'll undermine the word of God. That can't possibly mean that. Eve, come on. Did God really say, right? That's the temptation. Now, look what happens next. Verse two, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from, from the fruit of the tree of the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. Okay, now I want you to see this. We can do whatever we want. We have freedom, but God did say, you must not do this. Now I want you to see this. Satan tempts, did God really say, Eve, Adam and Eve were not tricked. Adam and Eve were not, they, they weren't like, oh, I accidentally sinned. When, when Satan asked that question, did God really say, Eve, catch this guys, knew the answer. God did say, we're not allowed to do that. Don't, don't do that one thing. Adam and Eve were not tricked. They didn't make a mistake. They didn't slip up. Adam and Eve rebelled against God. This is core to understanding our sin nature, okay? They, 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 it wasn't, they weren't blindly, oh, I can't believe I got taken advantage of. That's not what happened. They knew what God did say, and they rebelled against what God said. So there's a temptation, and now there's a rebellion right? And then this temptation comes back in verse 4, chapter 3, Genesis. You will not surely die. There's a discounting, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat uh, from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Now, I want you to see this, okay? Temptation, question, did God really say? A clear answer, God did say, and then here, guys, listen, Right here is the core temptation of humanity. Satan comes back and he says, he certainly didn't mean that. He doesn't want you to be like him. He doesn't want you to eat it because you will be like 
God. Now catch this. They're living in paradise. God wants to bless you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to keep you. He wants to give you security. He's given you his son. He's given you his word. He's given you his church. God absolutely wants what's best for you, right? All, he, but he warns you have to choose him, not against him. The core temptation of, this, uh, of man is this. Do you know that God is trying to trick you? No, he's, he's, he gave me a garden. He restricted you to the garden? He said we could eat anything. Anything? Did God really say? He did say. Do you know God is, you know why God's oppressing you? Do you know why God's putting regulation on your life? Do you know why you're under the authority of your creator? He is trying to keep something from you. What? He doesn't want you to be like him. He doesn't want you to be God. He wants to be God. And that is the core temptation of humanity. I want to be God. I don't want to be under my creator's authority. I, I want to do whatever I want to do. I want to think whatever I want to think. I want to understand whatever I want to understand. God didn't really say that's old fashioned. There's no way that could be true. I want to make my own truth and do my own thing. I want to be God. And right there is the core temptation of humanity. God, God, God somehow is tricking you with all of this. He can't possibly mean it. Does, do you think, did God really say it? Yeah. Well, you know why? He doesn't want you to be him. He wants to restrict you. If you ignored him, you would be God. And right there, Adam and Eve rebel and they fall. The fall happens. So Eve nibbles the fruit. Adam's like, I'll take it. She didn't even hesitate, right? He downs it. And they rebel against God. It's not because they ate something. It's because of the condition of their heart. They exercised choice and they chose to distrust God and trust themselves with the desire to rule and to reign and to be in total control over their own life. And that is the origin of good versus evil. God comes out, you can read the story, you know, God comes down, kind of discovers, so to say, all of this. He looks at Satan in verse 15, chapter three. He says, I will put enmity uh, between, uh, between you and the woman. Enmity just means a, a continual state of war. So um, ISIS has enmity with everybody who's not ISIS. It's a continual state of war. There's enmity, okay? So I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head. You will strike at his feet. And this is the beginning of good versus evil. Uh, the Satan will strike at the heel of Christ and Christ will crush Satan's head. Uh, the, Satan will strike and cause wounding and pain to the heart and the cause of Christ, but Christ defeats sin on the cross and then ultimately will defeat Satan forever at, at the end of time. And this battle over what God loves the most. You know what God loves the most? He loves his father, he loves you. So it's the battle over humanity. I will harm humanity. Christ is seeking to rescue and to save humanity. I will strike at his heel. He will ultimately crush your head, Satan. And this condition of war, this enmity between uh, Satan and, and God now exists. And we, the planet is the battlefield and we are the prize. Will we choose for Christ or will we choose against Christ? And that is the question of mankind, okay? And so the fall happens. And the Bible says that when the fall happened, humanity fell, sin was introduced. And the Bible says actually creation itself fell. Uh, Romans, the Apostle Paul says, for creation was subject to frustration because of the fall, that one day creation will be liberated from decay and bondage. Th this is why life is hard, because all of paradise was stripped away. 
Okay, so, so when, we, when, when we fell, creation fell. This is why in nature things devolve, they don't evolve, right? This is why as a human being you devolve. As you get older, you get sicker and you break, okay? You don't, eat, you don't get better with age, you get worse with age. This is why if you take a brand new car and park it in a field, it won't become shinier and healthier, it will rust and rot and destroy. It is the nature of the fall. So this is why all of a sudden rain becomes floods, wind becomes tornadoes, sun becomes drought, right? This is why animals now live in contention with human beings. You can pet a lion once, <laughs> right? That's it, right? But so all of that changed because of the fall and because of what's called the curse and, be, and because sin entered into the equation. And this is the origin of it. This is the condition that mankind was meant to live in and this is the place that we find ourselves, and this is what separates us from God. Here's the issue. Why, were, why did Adam and Eve get kicked out of the Garden of Eden? Because God is perfect. God is perfect. It is his nature. He's sinless. And perfection and imperfection cannot coexist. You cannot take something imperfect and expose it to something perfect. The imperfection will always ruin the perfection. So God now cannot interact with humanity freely. All that's changed, right? Because sin has entered the equation and sin, our rebellion, is what breaks that perfect relationship with God. And the story of the Bible is that. It's the story of the love and the perfection of God and the story of the rejection and the independence of mankind. And the story, as the Bible, as the story of the Bible plays out, that's what plays out. God seeking to restore relationship with mankind, and mankind at times embracing that, and oftentimes rejecting that. Okay, and you'll see that's the Old Testament. We'll get into that next week, and and that's the New Testament, and that is the sinful condition, and that is the, we call it the fallen condition of mankind. So what's happened now is because sin came in through Adam, the, the writer of Hebrews says, sin entered the world through one man, through Adam. Now you and I are born into sin. It is our nature to sin and it is our nature to rebel against God, right? So, so nobody ever, if, if you want to test this in your life, think of it this way, nobody ever taught you to tell a lie. And nobody ever taught you to steal no, nobody ever had to teach you to have a lustful thought or to be selfish. Those things are all natural, right? Nobody had to teach a dictator to oppress people. They didn't go to like the dictator school. Okay, first of all, hate the weak, right? That never happened. That, that is all the nature of mankind. What we have to work at, what's unnatural for us is godliness, so we have to work at being generous. We have to work at being kind. We have to work at being loving. Why? Because of the fall, because sin entered the world and now our nature is to rebel against God and, and that's what God ultimately wants to, to cure through salvation in Jesus Christ. We'll talk about that later on, okay? So that's the origin of all those things. Now, you might ask a question and a question that gets asked a lot, which is a very fair question, would be this. Okay, Jeff, Jeff, right, Jeff usually starts like this, Jeff, right? By the way, I know my name. So, so Jeff, if, if God loves us and he's a loving God, why did he let evil in the garden in the first place? If we're intended, if we're supposed to be living in paradise, why did he plant the other tree? It's a fair question. If God hates all of this results of sin, if he hates pain and how we hurt each other and death and all, if God hates all that, why doesn't he just wipe sin out? If he's going to crush the devil's head one day, why doesn't he just nuke him right now? Like, what's he waiting around for? Why does this whole melodrama have to happen, right? What, what is the point of it? Why did God plant two trees? It's a very, very fair question. So let me talk about this. Now, now we're going to get deep here for a minute. Okay, so put on your thinking caps, drink a Fit-Aid, perk up, right? Here we go. The reason that God just does not wipe out all sin and the devil and all that kind of stuff is because of choice. Now, work with me here for a second. God is the author of freedom. 
and you see freedom in paradise. Genesis chapter 2, uh, verse 13, you are free to eat. You can do whatever you want. God is the author of freedom. Freedom is not a condition of humanity. Freedom is, is a reflection of God. God gives us freedom. In fact, when you read the Bible, whenever you hear things that reflect Satan, you'll hear them reflected in languages like this, chains, bondage, slavery, right? Those things reflect the heart and the mind of the devil. When you hear God talk about things that reflect the heart and mind of Christ, you'll hear words like freedom, ransom, life, abundance, right? So freedom is a reflection of the character of God. So into the perfect relationship with, between God and man, God instills freedom. Why? Because you have to have freedom in order to have choice. I am not free unless I am able to choose. So if you look at me and say, you can go to McDonald's and eat today, and that's the only place you can go. You can go there, you can get sick to your stomach, have food poisoning, and that's all you get. Maybe you'll get a heart attack, right? And that, that's, if you, te- if you mandate what I do, I don't have any freedom. I don't have any choice because I don't have any choice. If you say to me, you can go to any restaurant in Montrose, including McDonald's, you do whatever you want, right? Now suddenly you've given me freedom because you've given me choice. I can do what I want. Okay. Now, why is this so important? I told you. Put your thinking caps on. Here it is. Ready? Why is this so important? Here it is. Because there cannot be love without choice. I can't love you unless I'm able to reject you. Catch that? I can't love you unless I'm able to reject you. Freedom necessitates choice. Love necessitates choice. And unless I can reject you, I can't love you. God does not make us robots. God does not pre-program us to follow him and to do what we're told. There is no such thing as a conversion by the tip of the, of the sword. That's all nonsense. God is the God of invitation. God is the God of love. God is the God. And what God wants more than anything, he says, Jesus said it, what I want you to, here's the greatest commandment, I want you to love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. I want you to love me. I love you. I want you to love me. I can't love God unless I can reject God. So God creates paradise. Here's everything you ever wanted in your life, including Adam and Eve, freedom. Freedom, it can only be freedom if there is choice. The only way for me to give you freedom is to have two trees. And the only way for you to love me is for you to choose to reject the tree I told you not to eat of and to choose me, right? Because what God wants is love. He wants you to love him. He wants us to love each other. And I can't love you unless I can choose to reject you. Now, this is huge, right? I can't love you unless I can choose to reject you. You guys, uh, you, you, you know the, the image of a shotgun wedding? Right? In fact, Heidi and I have a picture somewhere of her in a wedding dress with a shotgun. I have my hands up, right? Which I didn't realize would like represent our relationship. But, right? So, right? But, so it's, it's a joke. We laugh about it because we're like, that's not, a, that's, that's not love. That's like, that's a wedding, right? And, and you can take that down a series. You look at ISIS and they'll, they'll have a child bride. Or you think back about in our history and other places in the world where there's slavery and the master will make the slave have sex with him. There's, there's no love in that. Why? Because there's no choice. Right? So when we think about love, we think about choice. When, when Heidi and I got married, when I chose Heidi, I was making a choice. For me to choose her, in order to choose her, I have to reject these thousands of other women who would have loved to be my wife, right? It's, it's difficult. There was gnashing of teeth in mourning. I know, some of you, and I'm married, ladies, come on, right? So, right? so in order for me to, I can't love Heidi unless I reject these women. Now, listen, I don't have to love Heidi. 
I could reject Heidi and then my interaction with all these other women is up to me. When God says this to Adam and Eve, he's like, if you, you, can, you can eat from any tree in the garden, including that one. But if you do, you will die. You will reject me and sin will enter the world and you will go down a path that you actually don't want to go down, Adam and Eve. But it's right there. It's up to you. I can reject Heidi and free my life up, but if I reject Heidi, I also lose my family. We never have our kids. If I reject Heidi, I lose the life that I have with Heidi. I lose the security that I have with Heidi. I lose the joy that I have with Heidi. I lose the joint mission of life that I have with Heidi. I lose the benefits of Heidi. I don't have to marry her, but I don't get the benefits of being with her, right? And she has that choice too, right? That's like when we were getting married, preachers droning on, I'm like, speed this up. If she comes to her senses, I like dead meat. Let's sign the papers, lock it in, right? right? Because she also has that choice. You can't have love without choice. Freedom produces choice. And in our relationship with God, we have freedom. You can do whatever you want with God. Interact with God however you want. You won't get hit by a bolt of lightning, probably. That, that probably won't happen. If you, if you look at God and say, you know what, I'm going to do, I'm going to sleep with who I want to sleep. It's not going to be zap. You know, I'm going to do what I want with my money, zap. I'm going I'm to rebel against God, Michigan. That's probably not going to happen, <laughs> right? Do whatever you want with God. When God talks about sin, what he's, it's a warning. Listen, you, you can choose whatever you want. I'm, I don't make you love me, but if you choose to reject me, this will be the outcome of your life. You know what hell is? A, a, a very fair question that's asked in, in philosophical circles is this. How can a loving God send people to hell? And the answer to that question is he doesn't. You know what hell is? Hell is the natural progression of the trajectory of your life. That's all it is. God, we send ourselves to hell. Now, we go through a legal proceeding where we're judged. In that legal proceeding, everything you've ever said, done, or thought is judged by God. It's called the, the, the great white throne judgment. We'll be judged by God. God will evaluate the evidence and then send you to hell, like sentence you to hell. But when he evaluates that evidence, all he's doing is this. Oh, you didn't want me when you were in college and you didn't want to follow me and you'd rather kids play soccer instead of church and you didn't want me and, and you said I'm not tied. And, and it, oh, I see there's this whole pattern that you had no interest in me. That's what you've wanted. That's what I will grant you. If you want life void of me, I will let you have life void of me. It's called hell. There, there is a, a way that seems right into a man, but in the end, it leads to destruction is the way the Bible says it. You can do what you want. You, you want to you be your own God? You can be your own God. It's a false God. It's an idol. It will end in hell. I won't zap you on the way there, but I will give you what you've said with your life that you actually want. So you know what heaven is? It's the inverse. Heaven is the natural trajectory of your life. I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of the resurrection. I want to know what it's like to interact with him. I want to love him. I, I want, because I love him, I want to serve him. Not earning my way to heaven. I, I'm accepting the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. I'm dedicating my life to Christ. What's heaven? Heaven is the reward for the trajectory of your life. And in heaven, I, we're, we're reestablished in the relationship we were created to be in. The Apostle Paul says that, Corinthians. He said, he said th th you were actually created for this, for heaven. It's just the, out the natural outcome of our life, right? So God gives us this choice, and it, it's a part of our relationship with God. It, it, listen, this is really, really important. Everybody lock into me. Even if you're watching online, listen to me right now, okay? Here's the deal. It's not that you will make a choice one day. Did you catch me? Did you hear that? It's not that you will make a choice one day. It's that you are making one now. Did you catch me? 
It's not that one day you will make a choice. You are making the choice now. If, if I'm not choosing to marry Heidi, I'm choosing not to. If you're not choosing to, to give your life to Christ, then you're choosing not to. Now, it doesn't mean you're a jerk about it. You may just not be around to it or not care that much or didn't even know it was an issue. Or you can be a jerk about it, right? Church hates you. They're controlling. It's all about money. All that kind of stuff. You can, be, you can be a jerk about it. You can be loud about it or you can be very subtle about it. But it's not that there's a choice out there one day. It's that you're making a choice now. This is why God says today is the day of salvation, right? Because whether I intended to or not, I'm making a decision right now about whether I'm going to pursue God or I'm going to pursue myself. I'm deciding which, which tree's shade I'm going to live under. And one path takes me to the heart of God and one path takes me to, uh, to life outside of God, okay? So that's the beginning. That, that is the core theme of the Bible. God loves us, created us to live in this unity and this oneness and this, this deep, deep connection with him and also with each other. That's a part of it, okay? But there's choice because in order to love you, I have to be able to reject you. So God puts choice in. We call it our free will. I have a choice what I do, okay? We are tempted, and the temptation is, it's always going to sound like a questioning of God's word. When we yield to that temptation, we rebel. It's not just, oh, man, I'm sorry. It's an it's a open rebellion, okay? And, and when I do that, what I'm really doing is saying, I'm deciding for myself, which, which means I put myself in the position of being God, I decide what's true, I decide what's right, I decide what to do with my life. I, I, don't, I don't accept that I'm a creator subject to my creator, I am my own God, okay? And what God does and in the Bible when he talks about sin and hell and things like that, he, he's looking and saying, listen, if you eat of that tree, you're gonna die. You, don't ha you can, you don't have to, but I want to proclaim my love for you again and again and again. I'm going to give you the law. I'm going to give you the ability to interact with me through the, 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 the law, the temple, the sacrifices. Later on, I'm going to give you Jesus. He's going to fulfill the law. You can interact with Christ. He'll forgive you. There's a cross. I'm going to give you the church. The church is not a man-made creation. It's, it's something Jesus started. So the, a, a, a good, healthy church will keep teaching you my word. I'm going to give you the Bible. I'm going to give you everything I can possibly give you, but you have to decide what to do with it. Right, because I love you. And, and that's what plays out over time throughout the course of Scripture, okay? So, in this series, uh, all we're saying is this, all I'm kind of asking from you is this, is, is would you consider that? And what I encourage you to do, um, in a minute the band will come out and they'll play a song or two for us. And I encourage you to, to think this through. And this is what I encourage you to do. If you look in your own life, see if you see a sin nature. See if you see a sin nature. Why do I do the things I don't want to do? Hmm. If I'm a good person, why am I such a jerk to people I love? If I'm a moral person, why do I think such filthy thoughts and watch? The... Just, just see, I'm just, remember, it's up to you, right? But just see if you see a sin nature. And if you see a sin nature, then maybe your creator is telling you accurately in his Bible what you're actually like. And, and if, you, if he's accurately described and diagnosed that, then maybe the rest of what he says about the prescription to it is true as well, okay? So that's all. Just think about it. You decide, not asking you to convert, just asking you to be open-minded and, uh, and think it through. Okay, now, I will say this. Some of you right now may be like, I'm in. Like, a bunch of dominoes just fell. This all makes sense to me right now. Like, I'm totally in on this, okay? And that happens in relationships sometimes. I could have married Heidi two weeks after I met her. I I've been searching for something, didn't know what it was, had some things in my mind. And when I met, met Heidi, all those dominoes fell and I was done. I was like, I love you and you're beautiful and will you marry me? And she's like, you're a stalker, get away, stun gun, right? So that hurt, but once the, once the numb part goes away, you can use your arm again, right? So it, 
So I was like done, right? And, and she actually was too pretty quick. You know, so sometimes in relationships, you're like, I've been looking, I've been thinking, uh, the math just clicked, I'm done. That's what I was looking for. And I would say this to you, if that's you and you're like, I'm in, I just need to decide to choose Christ. This is what you need to do, right? Bible says this, if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So that's what the Bible says. So this is what that means. If you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is God and God alone, right? And you believe that God raised him from the dead. In other words, you believe that he, he is God with the power to, to lay his life down and take it back up again, right? That he raised himself from the dead. Then what you should do is this. You should pray and say, Jesus, um, would you forgive me of my sin? I'm, I've been in rebellion against you. I want to repent. The word repent just means turn around. That's all it means. So I've been rebelling. I've been walking away from you. I want to turn around. I believe that you're God. I want to ask you to be my savior. And I want to, I want to, I want to choose you and give my life to you. It's like getting married. I choose you and I give my life to you. Okay. So if you're there, pray that prayer. Don't worry about the words. Words aren't important. What you mean is important. God knows what you mean. He can read your mind. He can no matter who you are. <laughs> but so he, can, he, he knows exactly what you think and he knows exactly what you mean. So just worry about the sincerity. Don't worry about the vocabulary. And you can accept Christ right now. Okay, so if you're there, lock it in. Do it, right? If you're not, keep an open mind and we'll keep the conversation rolling, okay? All right, let me pray for us and then the band will come out. Jesus, we love you. Thanks for loving us. Help us, God, with this. It's big stuff. It's life-transforming stuff. And so, God, no matter where we're at, if we're just doing the math and trying to get our head around it, help us with that. Help us to understand it. Draw us to yourself in that. God, if we're ready to lock in, then help us with that. Hear, hear our prayer and the sincerity of it and change us, God. Fill us with your spirit bring us into your relationship with you and, and alter our lives in those ways. God, thank you for showing us this. Thank you that we can have the answers to these mysteries. And God, walk us through individually every step that you want us to go down. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.